Hello, and welcome to yet another episode of I'm Thinking of Spoiling Things with me, Stephen, and with Vaughn. And this week we are talking about Pablo Laurent's Spencer. Yes, we are. Wait, are we going to talk about a good movie? <laughs> We're going to talk about a great movie, dare I yes, say. Yes, we are. Oh, this movie is very, very good. I really loved it. I was expecting to really like it, and I loved it. It is immaculately directed. It has a phenomenal score. Um, it has brilliant performances, um, and the writing is fine. Yes, I think we both agree that that might be the the weakest part, but saying the weakest part is a little mm. disingenuous since the whole thing is very good. Yes, it's, it's, it, it's really, really good. So do you want to set the Spencer scene for us? Uh, yeah, sure. So oh, this... actually, actually, here's, here's a different question for you. Um, what's your relationship with Pablo Duren as a director? What, what do you know going in? I do not have a relationship with him as a director. I was intending on becoming more familiar mm-hmm. before I saw this movie, but ended up not having the time. So this was my first um, movie of his. I would very much like to watch Jackie, but have yes. not. Yeah, so I my first one I saw was, was Jackie, which I saw at cinema when it came out. Um, which, I mean, I think Vaughn and I agree on this, uh, biopics mostly meh. Um, I don't care for Wikipedia article films, just just bore me. Um, and Jackie was not that. Jackie was a wonderful... And the, my, the thing where I left us in thinking of why I liked it so much is because it was almost combative towards its audience and it wanted them to feel uncomfortable. It right. wanted to keep them at a distance and it was such a distance and cold film, but that worked because it was about a distance and cold figure. And I always love a film that melds its form to its content. And I thought that was such a sublime way of doing that. And it had this brilliant Mika Levy score at the center of it. I also watched his film, Emma, which I liked, but did not love, um, which came out last year um, about dancing and many other things, has a really brilliant ending that recontextualizes the film really beautifully. Um, but the film was very flashy, very beautiful, um, but did not fully coalesce for me. Um, so I went into Spencer expecting another Jackie and got another Jackie. It is another really good movie. So tell us about Spencer. So Spencer is focused on the Christmas weekend in with the royal family focused specifically on Diana Spencer and um, her going through um, her, I guess, imminent breakup. Um, yeah, and sort of... <laughs> I like calling it a breakup. You know. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's probably not the best word for it, but um, sort of the the anxiety and pressure of it all and her struggling with her sort of being lost in this family that she does not really connect with, I guess is probably the best way to uh, to put it. And kind of her struggling with the traditions of it all and the oppression of the the royal family and it is just so well done and it's I love Mm. that when I say it's focused on her on Diana it is 100% focused on her there is almost no attention paid to the royal family as a whole yes very clearly disdainful towards them with which I love I Um, love that so much right I love that more um, there are very minor scenes with members of the royal family, but they, it's, it's almost ancillary to the rest of it. I mean, it's very specific about it wants you to understand the wider context through her eyes without yes. having to focus on those people that the movie clearly does not like. 
Yeah, it, so it, it, it ties you to her subjective lens really, really nicely. Like, the only time she's not really in frame is when we're looking at a thing that she is looking at, or we right. are kind of, like, presaging her entrance into a room. So it is all built around her as a central point. It's um, Kristen Stewart as a set of performance, who is just in the same way that Natalie Portman was phenomenal as Jackie. It's another just, like, showpiece performance that was built around. So that, yeah, it's an amazing performance. To, Loren is obviously a great director of actors, but also the actors that he's picking are just doing amazing things a thing that people keep pointing out which i think is worth pointing out is um though christian Stewart is made up to look like um diana um she is notably a lot shorter than diana um but that is not a thing that ever comes across in the film at all like the way that she holds her body and carries herself is such a great physical performance to like right. carry carry the size of the character um in in a great way and um, i like what you said about characters because the thing, this this film works so well because of a brief statement at the beginning that sets up right. the entire film. I wanted to say, mention that as well. Yeah, I think it's something like, wording? like this is the fable of a true tragedy or something like that. But the it's the, definitely the fable word, and definitely true tragedy. I don't know what right. the words are in between. But the yeah. choice of the word fable is definitely very important because it lets you know that it's not the, the idea is more in the emotions and not the exact. Yeah things that happen you know there's very clearly things that are meant to be this is just really a metaphor and it doesn't actually it might not be 100 percent accurate to the situation but it serves the larger narrative of the movie i think what kind of is most important there is like it when it first first gets into the castle there's a shot of the kitchen and yeah there's a sign that's very centrally framed that says something like stay quiet they can all hear you or something like that and I, it's very obviously that sign does not exist in that kitchen in real life no <laughs> but it's very important and very very much serves what the movie is trying to say i'm like yeah and then the very first scene actually so we, we don't quite lock to janice right away so i was slightly disingenuous but the very first scene is the military arrive at sandringham so this 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 palace that is the holiday palace of, of the royals and like come in holding these like militarized boxes that look like it's going to be like full of weapons and it turns out it's the food which is 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 a very on the nose right. visual metaphor for how food is used throughout the film, but really sets the tone for what is going to be weaponized against this character and the relationship with things and just the rigidity of the system, the militarization of the right. system is, is so well done. It is at points a very unsubtle film, but then at points it's a very subtle film. And I am always the opinion that you don't have to be subtle, that unsubtle is not a criticism. I agree that is completely. A mode, a mode that you can work in. I remember going to see Mother, um and leaving it and my partner remarking that it's not very subtle but not meaning that as a criticism being like no that was totally in your face in a way that worked for that film so i like that a lot to get back to my original rambling <laughs> point um in in this construct then so it makes it clear it is a construct which is which is great i'm right and then from that it chooses who are characters and who are not characters and yes. that really works for me is the queen is in the film. She's not a character. Agreed. The couple of times that she speaks are very overtly arch and symbolic and forced. Yeah. There's a weak point in the writing where she is made to pretty much say like one of the points of the film. Yeah. But that works because she's not a character. Prince Charles is not a character. He's there as an antagonistic force. The only people that are allowed to have personality are those who are sympathetic towards Diana, those who are in her orbit. It's her children and a couple of members of the staff to which she is friendly. There is another very featured person 
um, who typically Spore plays, he's not a character. He is there as, as a force, right. as antagonism. And who it chooses to imbue of personality and who it doesn't is a beautiful device. I don't know if I've seen that be used in that way before. I agree. I don't it's think I have really either. It's really cool. It's very specific about who it gives. Like you said, it gives sympathy and an arc to. And like like you said, Timothy Spall is exists in the movie and his performance mm. is fantastic. But and isn't it a you're lot? right. He's not really a character. He's just sort of representative of that rigidity and the tradition and the oppression of the royal family and doesn't actually have a wider arc he's just that force that is constantly bearing down on diana and that kind of that cause of that anxiety and the representation of it without having to go to the larger royal family and give attention to them because it doesn't want to do that and it works really to well to the extent that he almost like jason Voorhees teleports like it's almost like jason takes manhattan <laughs> of the sense of being like wherever she is he will be there <laughs> i don't know right. how you could have got here that doesn't really matter like he he is where she needs to be because he is the force of he is a metaphor for the oppressive system i know you've watched this video because i think you linked it to me which is the video of the head chef yes. at the time of sandingham which jesus christ is this video too long but please it's watch definitely it, too long it is it's, very interesting it's, though it's very funny um so it's the character um in the film i forget what the character's called but sean harris plays them who i, I love sean harris fantastic um, performance from a character from a person awesome oh. I have not seen Possum, but definitely on my on my list. Um, mm. But he definitely normally plays sort of antagonistic characters. And in this movie... Yeah, creepy as hell. Yeah. Right. He's so sympathetic. And it's a really different performance from him that I really liked. Um, he's so good. But yeah, um, that, that video is the, the person that he plays, that chef, is obviously a real person who is still alive today. Yes. And he made a video talking about his thoughts on the movie. and He really points, liked it. Yeah, he really liked it. He thought the... Kristen Stewart's performance was very authentic and I really appreciated his perspective on how it made him feel as someone who actually mm. was there and specifically was not you know was sympathetic to her and not the yeah. royal family's take on this movie which is absolutely overtly negative because of course I it mean is. <laughs> now I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that correlation is causation but since the movie came out the queen has stepped back from the public eye now she <laughs> that's you know, very true there was there was that article I don't know if it's made the American press and why it would that she for the first time ever is not attending attended in the past the remembrance ceremony and there was all that amazing article that said the queen is now entering a new phase yeah that, that was very strange <laughs> which we i'm glad that there. the release of eternals has really like pushed her in that <laughs> thing and been like she got through her infinity saga and now she is in this, <laughs> this new it's like okay but the video please watch it because the moment Vaughn you said metaphor every minute of that video he just goes now um I think this might be a metaphor right. for drink when he says that. It's so funny. <laughs> he's definitely not a film critic, but he's very endearing. It's oh, wonderful to watch. He's very endearing. And he's not wrong. Like, he nails the right. metaphors. But it's like, at this point, just say, the film is highly allegorical. The film is just like, the film's a metaphor. It says at the beginning. And yeah. Oh, right. great video. Watch it. Yeah, it's definitely nice to see him like, yeah, none of this is really accurate, but it all makes sense as far as what actually happened. You know, he's like, yeah, she never said, actually said to me, are they going to kill me? Because it's a little bit on the nose. Um, but yeah, that's, but that's then he says she did say anything that was really disturbing. <laughs> yeah, that was <laughs> very this. much so. She said this much more alarming thing. You're like, oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, just a little less on the nose, but even more concerning to hear. Yeah. Um, but back to the movie itself. Um, mm. 
I do think those those performances, I mean, everyone in the movie is so great, even and they they all seem to understand their specific role in the movie. You know, those yeah. people that that aren't characters know that they shouldn't be characters and they know that they are just kind of stand-ins for something larger. And the people that are characters understand that and do a fantastic job. Um, I mean, like you said, Kristen Stewart's performance is absolutely amazing. It's phenomenal. It, I, it's going to win all the awards, right? It's it's, it's going to be nominated at least, but I think it's going to sweep. It's going to clip and sweep here. It's you know, it's it's certainly the only thing that I've seen this year that I'm very much look at it and go, okay, that you know deserves something. You know, a lot of the time it's like, okay, there's kind of a toss up between these things, but this is yeah. like, yeah, this is extremely powerful. Um, I love Sally Hawkins is fantastic in this movie. And a know. different role for her as well. I mean, yeah. she's often so very, very different, but I've not seen her quite like this before. Um, yeah, agreed. I mean, maybe not since The Phantom Menace have I seen her in such a reserve role. <laughs> God damn it, every time. <laughs> I love um, William and Harry's roles, young, yes. young roles for both of them, but they're both fantastic. I think just all of it is just, it's really wonderful. Um, so well put together. It's one of those films where it, it is a, a film fans film. You're going to leave it and you're going to have those so don't watch it with people that aren't into film as a medium because <laughs> they will not like your conversations because you'll be like oh the direction immaculate oh the mise-en-scene perfect it's like every technical aspect of the filmmaking is just like so well done but not in that this isn't a Wes Anderson thing this is not just like craft right. craft craft it's just it's so seamlessly put together to make it what it needs to be it's it's not a machine of a film it is an it is an art piece that is right. so precisely done yeah and I mean the score is absolutely phenomenal i always impressed by johnny greenwood's work but this was out of the park just really amazing stuff it's so it's so like i'm not even sure like the best word for it but it's so anxiety inducing in like the best way you know it totally serves the whole atmosphere of the movie why i really like it is i love the way that um greenwood plays with with an orchestra when he has an orchestral setting of so he's using again like the backdrop of the cinematic score which is so in tune with the royals and the archness that should be there um so he flirts with like clear melodies but never lets a melody take over and always has something counterposing it over top of it so there's this sense of there's this there's this beauty but a traditional beauty that underscores the whole film, but it's always slightly out of pace with something. It's always slightly cutting against something. And that, that is the theme of the film, of right. those rigid traditionalism that may be beautiful, but is harsh and counterposing. doesn't fit with Diana. And that is shown visually very, very smartly. It is in the writings and performance. To have that also in the score is why this film is so immaculately made. Of every aspect of it is doing the thing that it needs to do. There is it's not just like it sounds nice. It's this is the soundtrack of the movie that is guiding the. It's it's a character that is a character. Right. It's amazing how like it's very beautiful, but also very claustrophobic and imposing. Mm. And you know, it's like like you said, it's all of it. You know, like you have this beautiful palace, this castle. But also, it's very imposing, and every room feels so claustrophobic because of the way it's and all cold. framed. Yes, very cold. Not again. Not really reality. That castle's not cold all the time, but it serves something very specific in the. That's movie. the thing. It's not cold all the time. Right. But I'm sure it was cold all the time, and the film knows that. You know, the, the polysemics. This idea of this this a house feeling cold doesn't mean that it, it it feels cold. It's like it's it's not cozy. It's not homely, and it, it knows how to to say that to conjure that up really cleverly. Yeah, I think just as a whole, the movie does such a good job of portraying all these things that seem like 
that are sort of these moments of like tradition and like the royal family thinks that they're so normal but through mm. the through the lens of diana they're presented in a way that makes them feel absurd even though they're also presented as very straight-laced you know like this is the thing that is happening but because of the lens you're seeing it through it becomes absurd you know you've got outfit you got 17 outfits a day you've got these ridiculously extravagant meals and mm. everyone around her like they're acting like it's very normal because it is for them but her perspective is that it's ridiculous because it is yeah oh actually that, that, that reminds me sorry of like going back to our friend that made the video with his like that didn't happen but so the thing that he said didn't happen which was hilarious to me is he goes that bit with the pearls when she eats them that didn't happen like, <laughs> right. mate, it, it didn't even happen in the movie that's true like, that was not the movie the movie makes it clear that didn't happen <laughs> so yeah apologies for dropping your flow i just was reminded of that was like that didn't happen i'm like yeah i know like in the next scene she's wearing the pearls again <laughs> the movie right makes it abundantly clear she did not eat she did not eat her own necklace that was a very cool scene that would have been that would have been interesting if they had followed through on that and just nobody really noticed mm. that that happened <laughs> she actually yeah. ate, ate a bunch of pearls which goes back to the syntax of the film like it's a horror film like this definitely is very much like it is so easy like it's reference points are really fascinating to me like i would not have been i don't think you've seen brian yusner's society you need to if you haven't i have um, not it has the most amazing final act of any movie you'll ever see um which i can only describe as a literal orgy of gore and violence and okay. i would not have been surprised if that's how this film ended like the way it's building up this feels like an like a sci-fi invasion movie like it is very much like the thing or invasion of the body snatchers where it feels like diana is the one human person right. in this world of possessed like they live kind of world of just like possessed alien things that are not like her and we are only sympathetic to her because like this is human and have you read the haunting of hill house i have not um you may have seen the tv series but it's got it's got that great opening line where it's like i forget the exact wording but it's like that things can't exist under an atmosphere of absolute reality and it doesn't quite mean what it means this context but that sense of the reality that is the royal family the inflexible rigidity this does have that haunted house feel and it does have that haunting of hill house feel which again becomes the haunting um and loads of films that have like riffed right. off of that of it's so good at dipping into horror oh just brilliant yeah i mean it does feel very much like it's not expected but it comes on in the best way where like as soon as you get into it and it gets more and more imposing and claustrophobic you're like oh this is like genuinely terrifying and the anxiety just kind of keeps building and you know there's even a point where it basically is like a haunted house sequence yeah, and, yeah, yeah. you know it very much constantly adds to that and then it's it's just very much much more psychological horror than I was expecting, but it, it serves it all so well. It really does. Um, if, if we're going to get into the weakness of the film, because I think it, it does have some, it puts the wrong foot in a couple of places, I'm not sure if you agree or not. Um, there are two pervasive metaphors, um, in addition to the central metaphor throughout the film. One mm -hmm. is of hunting and one is of Amberlin. Um, and the Amberlin stuff verges into the product um, for me of right. like her inclusion and literalization. There's some nice sequences. I like the she goes home sequence, and it's very clear that again doesn't actually happen. Right. She does not go there, and like it's all well and good saying she never went there. Like yeah, I don't even think she goes there in the film. It doesn't make sense that she would. Um, but having her as an actual ghost in the film 
Yeah, it's the a little too much. Persistent inclusion. Yeah, I think it's it's a little too on the nose, and it's one of those things that starts out in a way that I'm like, okay, this makes sense. That's a that's a sensible thing to tie this into. Mm. The metaphor makes sense to connect her reality to Anne Boleyn's reality. I get it, but then it just keeps reiterating it every scene. You know, it's like it's, co- it's constantly reintroduced, and like you said, she's literalized and becomes an actual character in the movie. And it's like, okay, maybe tone that back a little bit, but it doesn't it doesn't detract from it as a whole for no, me. No, I definitely yeah, I, I I agree, but I think, I think it, it is it, a little much. I think it's emblematic of, so I have a pre-existing relationship with, with the writer of this film who I go hot and cold on his stuff, but I feel like he is consistent even when good and even when bad. So right. Stephen Knight, who I know that you've seen some of his stuff, um, he's weirdly most famous for the British television series Peaky Blinders, um, which he was the oh, okay. showrunner for. I've not watched that. Um, my partner Emma has, has watched it and has started to love it and fall out of it as it did Stephen Knight things. Um, most notably, he wrote Locke, which I know I like a lot more than you do. Um, yeah, I have my issues with Locke, but my issues with Locke are not really with the writing itself. It's more with the larger premise of person in room having things happen around. To me, it's just not very cinematically compelling. It just seems like something that should, that should just be written. You know, it doesn't actually need to be visualized, but... It's, it's, it's a stage play. Uh, right. I, 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 on the other hand, really love how cinema can play with the uncinematic. So it, it's uncinematicness to me becomes the appeal, as bizarre as that sounds. Um, Dirty Pretty Things as well. Have you seen Serenity? Not the Firefly <laughs> Serenity. I have not seen Serenity. I have only heard oh, bad things about it. <laughs> Jesus Christ, you, you really should watch it. We should watch that at some point. It's a film you need to watch. But I feel like all of the Stephen Knight projects, even ones I really like, I really like some of them. He always has good ideas. He's a great mm-hmm. premise man. Even Serenity has a really cool premise. But he just cannot help himself. Even right. in Locke, even in Pretty Things, it's just like he will keep being like, this is the metaphor. This is what's going on. And there is just a bluntness to his writing, which I do mean as a critique, that this film is just like the most Stephen Knight film. I'm like, that Anne Boleyn metaphor, I like it. It's clever. And then you're like, I'm going to keep doing it. See, right. it? got <laughs> it. I'm like, yes, yeah, it just Knight. keeps happening. No, I get it. It was good. And, and the pheasant thing, which is mostly great. I did not need pheasant in first scene getting run over by car so right be later be like she's like a pheasant and then at one point someone's been like you're like a pheasant like no no i get it right again it's the same thing where it's like this is a good idea it makes sense mm. it's a good metaphor to include in the movie until you keep reiterating it and keep literalizing it it's like okay tone it back a little bit i understand what you're trying to say here without you having to keep repeating it to me directly yes. Stephen Knight can't just have good ideas. He needs everyone to know that they're good ideas. <laughs> right. like, this idea, real good. I'm like, I know, I, Stephen, I agree. I agree. Great idea. However, I've control F'd and he's mentioned it 12 times. <laughs> How about three? I definitely, I definitely like the pheasant and hunting stuff more than I like the Anne Balloon thing. I think because it doesn't have to then delve into, here's a ghost in the movie. Um, oh, imagine you know, ghost pheasant though. <laughs> ghost pheasant would be probably a little too much again. Um, oh, I don't know. Maybe. But I think that stuff works a lot better. But again, it is just a little bit too much. But also, same thing with the Anne Boleyn. It doesn't detract from the larger no. film. And it, and it all kind of works because you have this like get out clause of it's right. a fable. It allows it to be fluid in a way that previous ones we talked about are not. So that does really help the movie. And like ultimately, everything it's using its pieces for is so worthwhile and so intelligent that even if the pieces themselves are a little bit clunky, 
like the overall portrait is is so worth it for what it does to get there right i think it's such a good example of and i think the fable thing really plays into it is like that's really such an important inclusion to let you know that yes not everything here is true but you know kind of go with it and it's all going to serve the larger piece and it does and i think that's what makes it so perfect as you know a true story and mm. that kind of film and what sets it apart from other movies like it you know because it it does specifically go out of its way to be like yeah we're playing with this a little bit but it's going to pay off in the end because what we're doing is serving a specific central story about a specific character and what she's going through right now rather than trying to do too much or telling everyone's story that's mm. in the orbit you know i i know you haven't seen it yet but it's an easy thing to compare it to because I just saw House of Gucci, which is also a true story that does the exact opposite in which that it tries to do everything. It doesn't have that central mm. thing to tie it together. It doesn't have one person that it's focusing on to tell a very specific, make a specific point. And so the result is just a mess that's not very interesting. And, and just, I, I, I do want to see that movie. Um, I am not surprised by your take on it, considering the trailer itself looked like an atonal mess, but like fun. But then after the length of the movie, and I'm like, I don't know if that kind of right. like rollicking atmosphere is really going to definitely helps. That. Definitely helps that Spencer is less than two hours and not two hours and 40 minutes. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Um, but to, to go back to why I think Spencer works so well is there's a, there's a critique that um, Boots Riley knows to be made, and he's not unique in this critique about um, film in general of, and this is a, a, a viewpoint that I agree with, that I, don't, I, don't, I know that everyone does not, and that's fine, is that he believes that films about things need to go beyond just shining a light onto that topic, that that, that is not useful. Um, it's not going into filmmaking as praxis, like he's not like a fool, doesn't think that film is revolutionary and is going to solve the world, but so many films about issues just go look at this this is bad and right. they, they end it there and i don't find that very useful and spencer by masquerading under a fable allows its critique to be systemic and it allows its critique to be wider it's a critique of traditionalism of the royals of this inhuman system in which humans are forced into it doesn't have to be diana's story it's nice that it is and it gives her a story that she needs and deserves to have um, and that we'll want her to have but by being allegorical, by being symbolic, it allows it to be a much wider film about wider issues. It's not just Diana biopic, here's the light, look at her, she's the damsel. It is a much wider, a much more enriching film. Right, it's a true story constructed around a point that it wants to make, and all of it serves into, this is what we're trying to say, here's what this character is feeling, but this is why they're feeling that way, this is what we're trying to say, rather than just here's a true thing that happened and maybe yeah. you can glean something sort of from reality about it, but it doesn't, you have to be able to get in deep and make that point and construct mm. it around your central point instead of just letting the viewer find the point on their own, hopefully, you know? Yeah, and um, the, the one last thing I'd like to say about the film, which, so the ending sequence is almost like, it, it actually was reminiscent of the Florida Project in terms of like this, this very clearly, um, overly fictional moment of like that's a really good these characters these characters get a release that is true to them but even the narrative you're not really expecting to buy into the reality of it it's more that it's a we want the film to have a happiness to it right that is also symbolic of the lack of happiness in their lives and also because these characters deserve happiness so if life cannot give it to them the film can give it to them and that's really beautiful but as i'm trying not to sound quite crude and reductionist here 
Um, and I don't want to get into conspiracy stuff because I have no interest in that. But I think there is something really lovely about the last scene in a... Let me track back. Um, films that set themselves before a tragedy are often overwhelmed by a sense of the inevitable tragic. I yes. doubt that you have seen... Oh, God, I forget even what the movie's called. It's one of your stupid days. It's one of the days. It's the, the Boston Marathon Bomber movie. I think it's Patriot's oh, Day. yes. I don't know if you've seen that or not. I don't know why you would have I've seen it. I've not seen that. Um, it's not... I've watched it at a, a, with family at some point, uh, Emma's family, uh, because, because it was on. Um, and obviously, that tragedy was never always going to happen and the why it's tragic is because it comes out of nowhere and that film is is lit is with 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 portent is shot with portent this idea of being like there is an omen overhanging things and i find that really tasteless this idea of being like no no this this happened out of nowhere this was not always going to happen and spencer when you watch it you know what happens to diana but the film knows that these characters don't this was not inevitable this did not have to go that way and I think it's very purposeful to end the film with Diana in a car and have it be a moment of release, a moment of joy, a moment of celebration in which a weaker film would have been just like, the moment that I saw her go in the car and leave and I knew the film was ending, a weaker film goes a different way there. Or right. It has a melancholic tinge that goes, mm. and this was the last, and it's it not doing that and it reframing it as, celebratory i thought was really wonderful and very powerful right it's like this kind of perfect contradiction because for the characters it's this extremely cathartic moment where they they abandon the oppression of the royal family and they go and just do something and enjoy something simple rather than give like in rather than giving into all of that yeah uh, what's the best word like all that elaborate elaborateness and the um and all of that and but the viewer knows that there's this kind of underwritten tragedy behind all of that and so it's like you said it's a good comparison to connect it to the florida project because it's kind of the same thing like it's this moment of catharsis for the characters but you know their reality is not that catharsis and so it Mm. it blends those two things perfectly and so it's a really uplifting and nice ending that you also know eventually results in tragedy yeah but the tragedy of the film is never Diana's going to die. That is never the tragedy yes. of the film, which I think is so important. The tragedy of the film is her life is tragic and that she has been put into a situation due to the inhumanity of tradition and that it takes that is so the right thing to do and a weaker film would not do that. And right, I, like I you said. Film exists. I've not seen that weaker film. I'm not going to. Um, yeah, like you said, the weaker film would be specifically aiming to that moment that you know exists, but this movie goes out of its way to not lead up to that moment because... Yeah you already know that that's going to happen. So there's no need to lead up yes. to it. I know that in reality, that's going to happen in the future anyway. So you don't need to show it to me. Yeah, um, that, that is Spencer, which is a, one of my favorite films of the year. I have to say at the moment on my my ranking, I have a, a, a weird schedule of my ranking because <laughs> I've got my ranking based off when um, front of the show, Jack Davenport and I did an award show in May. So my, my <laughs> list of the films is my favorite film since May. There's like 60 of them. Um, but I think Spencer is a, a lovely number three for me so far, only behind um, Summer of Soul and Petite Maman, um, which is today's new entry. Um, so a really fabulous film. Yeah, I agree. It's also in my uh, top 10 of the year currently. Um, I think it's sitting at number eight right now. Uh, also really loved it. It's just a fantastic movie mm-hmm. that 
the opposite of many of the other things that we've talked about on the show so far. Um, yeah, I know it's been like, I mean, we, we both like Dune, um, but this is a much more effusive phrase for both of us. And this is a great yeah. film. It's really great. It has minor issues, but overall I have almost nothing negative to say about it as a movie. Yeah. It's, it's just great. Uh, yeah completely terrific um so um we have some movies coming up we want to talk about we'll see how they go i know i mean what may be next time Vaughn? what may be the next movie we talk about uh well there's a lot of things that have just released we've got um eternals is a possibility for uh, we our next need, episode we need to talk about eternals we, we will definitely talk about eternals because i the, did not watch eternals to not talk about that <laughs> <laughs> the latest mcu tentpole and then um yeah. On the exact opposite of the biggest budget movie of the year, um, we have considered talking about Jim Cummings' The Beta Test, which yeah, is I, a I very indie that, yeah. production uh, outside the Hollywood system. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved his first film, so I'm very excited to watch his first film. Uh, we've, you just watched Petite Maman and loved it, oh. which would be another great, um, great one to, dis- to, to discuss because it is yes. absolutely yes. beautiful. A masterful movie. Um, so yeah it could be one of those things coming up or a new thing could come out that knocks us a certain way um i know that you just watched drive my car um i did not i'm is that what why what 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 i did not watch that movie you didn't i did not what am i talking about i don't know you mentioned me the other day talking about that movie and i was very confused because i have not seen it yet did i would like to but i have not okay I was sure you'd see that movie. <laughs> well, it could be a possibility. Who knows? Maybe we'll both go. watch okay. it and, uh, and talk about it at some point. <laughs> I'm certainly interested in it. Okay, cool. Well, um, yeah, so Vaughn really loves Drive <laughs> He really loves it. So um, I reckon you should watch it because he likes it a lot. Um, his favorite movie of the year. Any recent releases that uh, I should keep an eye out for that I haven't seen yet that you've watched? I think you've seen everything that I've seen. I don't think there's there's anything. I, don't, I mean, I wanted to go see Power of the Dog today, but I, I um, the realities of having a car got in the way of that, unfortunately. But apart from that, no, no. You've seen the you've seen the small mom. You saw the small mom. I have seen the She's small mom. She's so tiny, <laughs> wonderfully tiny. So wonderfully tiny. And you've seen Gucci as well. I have seen Gucci, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> so until um, next time, when we talk about either a film we love or loathe, some point, right? Some point is going to be a film. Well, we disagree. So far, we've broadly agreed. We'll get there, and it'll be a very interesting episode when we do very get there. Because <laughs> there have been some films that happened this year that we disagree on. So yes. um, we'll, we'll, we'll see where that goes. So until next time, we'll stay civil. Um, so yeah, find us both on thetwingeeks.com. Uh, obviously, this podcast exists. Please subscribe. Want to leave us a rating on an iTunes review. That's really helpful. We'd love that. Thank you very much. Also, check out Ranking the Monsters, where myself and Calvin go through um, kaiju cinema, mostly Godzilla and Gamera films, because we know where our bread is buttered. You know, there's big boys. Also, our video game podcast, The Daydream Cast, with Pavlos and Brogan, a wonderful show about video games, um, mostly the old games, because the old games are the good games, as they say. And also, three letters and five mics, the exact name of the music podcast, which you um, can find on Spotify because it gets the little songs in there. Kevin and Calvin know things about music. I like the music, but know nothing about it. I learn <laughs> things. I listen. Oh, it's a beaut. What a wonderful show it is. As always, you can find Vaughn on Letterboxd at um, Zero Zebra. Just uh, Zebra. Zero with an X. You're confusing <laughs> our listeners. <laughs> Sorry, I forget. Just Zebra. Um, there you go. And you can find me, Stephen Inch, with a PH in the middle.
So until next time, this is our sign off. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye.